Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Hi, my name is Vladimir Bosanets. I'm the co-founder and publisher of The Registry and your host of this podcast. Today, I have an opportunity to interview Scott Gebeke, the CEO of Mighty Buildings, who is looking to transform how homes are designed and constructed across the world. His mission is to bring a 3D printed process that is sustainable, fast, and ready for the effects of climate change that we are likely to experience over the next few decades and beyond. His company is also looking to bring this process to the masses through partnerships with other established home builders and developers, which makes his approach to adoption across the industry somewhat unique. Here's our conversation as it was recorded in late January of 2023. Scott, good morning. How are you? Morning, Vlad. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you today? Where are you? Uh, right now, I'm, I'm very rare instance. I'm at home in St. Petersburg, Florida. About to get on. Oh, Okay. Okay, excellent. Okay, I, I did know that you were by by coastal, so the company's based in Oakland, but you're you're out on the East Coast. Yeah, correct. In the process of transitioning, and um, you know, right now we have so many global opportunities in the company that uh, I live most of my life in a plane. But oh, oh. <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, cool, cool. Well, um, Scott, just by way of introduction, um, I ask all of our guests to tell us a little bit about you know themselves, their kind of path to this role. Uh, so. You know, tell us. You know, how did you get to where you are today, and um, you know, what's your what's your background in this industry? Yeah, it's a that's a <clears throat> very wide question. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'm in my you know I call this my fourth fourth career, which is also my fourth job. Um, you know, I spent the early part of my career. You know, I studied engineering in school. Uh, spent about seven years in the U.S. Navy. Um, another another seven years at McKinsey. Um, and then the last 11 years, I was at a company called Jable, a, manuf- a contract manufacturer, uh, running their aerospace and defense for four years and their industrial division for the last seven years. Um, and I find myself at Mighty Buildings, which is uh, you know the cross-section of a lot of those things, being entrepreneurial and um, how we scale an operation. And at the same time, uh, also t- in taking some of the um, uh, you know operational experience I got at Jable into play as well. So Scott, tell us about kind of, you know, Mighty Buildings, how did the company come about and, um, you know, where is its origin and sort of what what is the mission of the organization? So so Mighty Buildings is a really interesting company. It it started, the technology started out of um, of Russia as a material science company. Uh, And the company was very advanced in the materials. They were working with 3D printing. Uh, they then uh, went to the U.S. and to Y Combinator, won a Y Combinator prize, and were incorporated in the United States in 2018. Um, from 2018 to about 2021, uh, the company was excelling at being the first ever 3D printed auxiliary dwelling unit um, and went and sold those in California. Uh, In about the last year, the company decided that in order to truly scale, they needed to pivot their model from a B2C model, selling ADUs, to a B2B model, selling a a 3D printed kit to developers 
um, at large scale all over the world. And so, you know, the pivot from Mighty Buildings from a material science to a home builder to now a kit builder has been quite a transition and quite an experience. The system that the company employs, is it proprietary in any way? Um, or is this something that, you know, um, you know, can be also done, done, done by others? So the, the material is, that we use is absolutely proprietary, it's patented. The p- method of printing is patented as, as well. And the Mighty Kit system uh, that we have is both trademarked and patented how we put it together. Um, the system itself, it's, it's think of it like Legos, Vlad. Uh, you know, you have instructions of how Legos are supposed to go together. Obviously, you could do something and glue the Legos together or put peanut butter between them or something like that. But to do it correct, you need to use our process and our controls. Yeah, and that's probably a good follow-up question because I'm I I have seen how it's done. It's it's on your website as well. But just for our you know listeners, would would you mind sort of describing what the, what the three D uh, printing process entails? Because it doesn't necessarily print the entire house. It prints sort of portions of a panel, right? And and then it's sort of assembled together. Um, but I'll I'll have you say that because you can probably say it a lot more eloquently in terms of how how all that works. Yeah. So so the modular part of our of our homes come from two different locations. One, they're things we build ourselves in our factory, the 3D printed panels. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And second, it's it's some other modular parts that we've designed with other companies to arrive just in time to the site. When it comes to the first part, the, the 3D printed materials, you know, our, our Loomis material is essentially a synthetic stone. It's 3D printed in a in, in, for, for lack of a better description, like kind of a honeycomb, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, outline. Then we fill it with an insulation foam, a PU foam, and then we mill it to the to you know take any soft edges and make it really precise. And usually that's only you know one or two percent of the material, so very small amount of milling. Then it's painted like you would paint a car, an automotive line, and then it's shipped directly to the, to the site. So what comes out of our factory is completely printed cured panels that are already insulated. Those are combined on site with the rest of the watertight envelope, which consists of the steel superstructure or, or laminate wood superstructure, windows, doors, and roof cassettes. And that will be delivered and can usually be installed anywhere between three and seven days, depending on the size of the house. So in many ways, Scott, this is a very different way in building a home, building a structure, right? Um, in many ways, this is very disruptive. Um, but tell us about that. You know how how different is this? Obviously, I believe it's faster, right? Tell us about that as well. Um, and also, what what does it mean for a builder to engage with you guys? So we are we are first and foremost a modular construction um and and that's we compete you know we are we are built in a factory but we also reduce most of the challenges of modular construction which is you have huge shipping costs uh you have you have pretty complex on-site rigging and things to get it down in the right place by doing modular panels that are fully insulated and then shipping with very quick assembly 
we eliminate a lot of the issues with modular construction, but bring a, 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 a much more degree of what you would get of a custom home. Um, we are three to four times faster than a traditional home being put up. We are uh, 30% lighter than concrete and three times as strong. Um, you know, concrete, because we're, you know, we're essentially uh, cat five hurricanes and, uh, and nine Richter scale earthquakes at the same time. So we believe not only do we have a material which is heavily, heavily resilient to, to, to climate and, and, and uh, climate impacts, but it's also much faster to install and build than almost all traditional building methods. Is this part of your pitch to sort of um, go after builders that are, you know, building in hurricane-prone geographies and in earthquake-prone geographies? Is that is that sort of the pitch for now, or this is just sort of sort of the feature of the of the building? Both. We excel in areas where they have uh, challenged supply chains, uh, where they have a limit in the amount of skilled labor available either it's because it's because of supply and demand or just availability and need robust house solutions. Um, we are, you know, a, a mass market house in the U S that's timber built in, uh, you know, a rural suburb in the South with a lot of availability of labor and a lot of availability of timber. Th this isn't a selection for mighty buildings. Um, someplace where you, uh, you're not going to have the people, you're not going to have the supply chain to get the stuff in an island, in another location, in places with high population density, with low-skilled workers, this is absolutely a solution. Yeah, interesting. And so tell us, who are you working with and where are um, your buildings uh, being completed today? We have a no number of uh, developers that we're working with. Obviously, we've delivered you know, 60 ADUs to this point. Um, uh, some of those are in new development. Some of those are, are the B2C environment. We've got two, two Palm Desert communities that are underway right now. Um, one's almost complete in Desert Hot Springs. And um, that consists of 20 lots that have 20 of our uh, Quattro, 1,200 square foot houses, and 20 um, Duo ADUs. So they essentially end up being four bed, uh, four bed, uh, four bed, four bath, um, compounds. Um, those will be complete in the next, by the end of March. Um, after that, we will launch a, a property called Rancho Mirage, uh, in Palm Desert, where each one of the Rancho Mirage properties will have a super quattro, which is about an 1800 square foot house and a garage ADU. So think of a studio, uh, with a garage attachment on the other side and, and around the pool. Um, those will be uh, probably lay ground in the summer time frame um, and start to start to build those out. Um, both of those developments are being done by a developer called Polari. Um, and you can see those developments online on their website. Um, and those are the most mature of the B2B models we have right now. Scott, tell us about your microfactory approach and what that means for the organization and how you develop these projects. The, the microfactory approach is critical. Um, you know, we talked about modular housing and some of the and some of the shipping challenges you have with that. Um, we can eliminate a majority of that, but we're still not going to be global from a single location. So our strategy right now is a microfactory would be able to deliver two to three hundred houses in about a thousand mile radius. Um, 
And so when we have a thousand mile radius for the uh, California market, we can do that in Arizona. We can do that out of Mexico. Uh, if we go to Florida, um, we would want to do out of Florida or out of Bahamas or to serve those markets. And then when you go into the Caribbean, a place like Puerto Rico becomes very attractive. So it, our micro factory is more of a regional approach that allows us to, um, you know, really manage the, the delivery into that specific uh, area. Are you constrained in any ways uh, by, you know, supply chain and the materials and the components you need for your, you know, proprietary, um, you know, building material in any of these locations or um, uh, not to get too deep into the weeds, but just kind of like, you know, how is how is that Im impacting what you guys are doing? It's an amazing question. We're, we're going to be, uh, because we have proprietary materials, we're essentially taking 55-gallon drums of our proprietary materials and turning that into walls. Um, steel is a fairly well-tracked commodity, and we have access to that. So, you know, we are limited by doors and windows, uh, which has eased significantly, as you know, Vlad, but was a problem maybe six to nine months ago. Um, but compared to a normal job site, we're having thousands of lines of things having to come in and being delivered by regional suppliers. We are heavily, heavily, uh, um, or sorry, we are much less uh, dependent on that than a normal builder would yeah. be. Um, what is the range of sort of product that you're offering? So you mentioned the ADU garage units, and that's sort of um, kind of your, you know, legacy. This is, this, is, this is where the company started, but now you're building, you know, bigger, bigger products. Um, uh, where Where's the sort of low end? Where's the high end? Um, and, you know, can you get into multifamily as well with this? Great question. Um because of our, because of using this the superstructure, which is can be steel or laminated timber, uh, we are unlimited in the design capability of what we can do. Um, right now, we are working on. We have six different reference designs that are just that reference designs. Um, that goes everything from a six hundred foot ADU uh, garage. A 1,200 square foot single family, 1,900 square foot single family, 3,300 square foot uh, multi, uh, single family, 4,200 square foot single family, and then a three unit townhouse or more unit townhouse that are about uh, 1,800 unit, 1,800 square feet each, either with a garage or without a garage. That's those are just to seed the market. Flat. Um, what we usually do is get a developer that's looking at a plot of anywhere between 20 and 60 houses. We look at the lot size and orientation, and we work with that developer and a local architect to take a reference design into something that's bespoke for that offering. Is part of your strategy also, or could you also potentially go down, mar down market and, you know, work with, um, you know, let's say, you know, municipalities or counties uh, that want to build, um, you know, whether it's a shelter kind of, you know, development or, you know, for homeless or that, 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 that kind of thing? Is that, is that something that's also doable? So I say yes with a, uh, with a caveat that that would be applicable in more climate extreme areas so you know we joke a little bit internally vlad that you know the most sustainable cheapest house you can build is a mud hut or a you know or a tree fort right um and you know we're never going to compete with cost or sustainability on that 
But when it comes to something that can stand up in a climate like Puerto Rico, um, like the Bahamas, uh, like the Virgin Islands that have been devastated, um, you know, at a very low cost per square foot compared to concrete or something else, we can put up something that not only uh, is is affordable, but it also is is safe and protective. And and we're pursuing that pretty aggressively in a number of geographies. Um, Indonesia is another place we're talking to that. You know, Indonesia's got a number of islands and uh, they're, they're, you know, Jakarta sinking. So they need to rebuild an entire new uh, uh, capital city, if you will, for 20 million people. Um, these are the types of opportunities that make it really exciting. Yeah, interesting. How do developers react to this when you, when you sort of, you know, pitch them and, you know, present them this, you know, um, is the industry ready for something like this? The industry is absolutely ready. I think the last three years, the last two and a half years of supply chain challenges have um, have frustrated everyone on every end of the transaction. Uh, you know, waiting on a plumber to finish a house for a certificate of occupancy for three months or, you know, whatever the anecdote is, everyone seems to have a story with that. So to go to a builder and say, I can have you under roof in seven days um, and in a watertight envelope has blown most people away. Um, that said, uh, you know, this is an old school industry, hasn't changed a lot by technology in the last you know, couple hundred years. So no one's willing or very few people are willing to truly take a leap at scale without touching and feeling and building three or four houses. So um, we're, we're embarking on a number of pilots, if you will, for three, four house, houses in a number of critical areas. Uh, but, but once we prove out the speed and the resiliency of, of, this, uh, of the product, it, it's, it's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, and, and the scale of this, I think, is also a very interesting part of the story, right? I mean, you guys are able to, um, you know, bring these to life um, with with sort of less skilled labor as well, right? And and, and are able to kind of move um, move product, if, if you will, a lot faster. Tell us kind of um, uh, just about that a little bit and sort of what, what impact that, that could have on the building industry. Yeah, it's a great question. So, and, and we're, you know, we're learning. I'd, I'd love for your listeners that have insight here to reach out to us because every day we're learning more on how we can improve. Um, right now, our, we know that we can put up a watertight envelope of a house on a slab, right? If the slab's already there in two and a half days for the 1,200 square foot house. That's with a small crane and a, and a crew of four people. And those, you know, you need a rigger in there, someone that's rigger qualified. But other than that, you're talking about people that can turn a bolt and can tighten a bolt. You're not talking about sophisticated labor. Um, that's super exciting. We think when you go to the two-story house, that goes to about six to seven days under roof. And those are numbers that people can't touch in any other methodology. When you combine that with having, you know, moving towards having exposed interior walls. So when we put a panel together, it's the outside insulation and the inside of a house with the, with the chases for the electrical already pulled. The labor you can save is astounding. So we're continuing to refine. Right now, we think it's about 3,000 total man hours to put a house together from slab to certificate of occupancy. And... Uh, that's about 41 working days 
uh, with four to five people. And that includes, by the way, all the MEP subs and everything that you would need. And you're also price competitive to the uh, to the sort of standard, if you will, product for the for the developer too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, price competitive and improving, um, you know, much cheaper and a total cost of construction than um, than concrete or ICF or block or anything like that. And, you know, approaching that of stick homes, um, like I said, you know, it's, it's hard to compete with a uninsulated stick home. But when you start talking about comparable R values, comparable fire ratings, comparable uh, structural integrity, um, we are extremely competitive. So, Scott, where do you see the market today? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you're keeping an eye on some of the macro kind of trends and what's happening throughout, you know, um, not just here in the U.S., but, um, you know, globally. Do, do you are, are you optimistic in terms of, you know, home home building? Um, we obviously don't have enough homes. That's that's one thing that's, you know, for sure. Um, but tell us kind of what's what's your perspective on that? You know, it's a great question, and I'm sure your your listeners know more than way more than me. Um, you know, the micro markets here are way more important than the macro markets. Um, and uh, you know, for example, you know, people talk about things slowing down. If I look at in pockets of Florida, um, you know, places like Tampa, St. Petersburg, where I am, Orlando, West Palm, further south, they got hit by the hurricane. These these markets are not slowing down at all. Right. They're actually, you know, at worst flattening, if not increasing. Um, Puerto Rico has a shortage of, of 3000 houses and billions of dollars of federal money that they need to spend to just house a population there. Um, places like Saudi Arabia, fastest growing population in the world with no way to uh, to have building supplies. They're very challenged to get building materials there. So there are micro markets that we're attacking that are really exciting um, and you know, if you look at the numbers here, if we're building 10,000 houses a year at Mighty Buildings, we're wild. We're, we're wildly successful. Uh, you know the numbers better than I do, but but there are companies that build close to 200,000 single-family homes in just a single region of the U.S. So also, we don't need to dominate this market. We just need to find the appropriate niche and, and where our product applies and and get it to the, the end customer. Uh, tell us where the company is. It's in life cycle. Um, have you guys raised money? Are you actively raising money? Um, you know what's what's happening there. Closing a a BB round, a second B round um, in the in the in the next month or so, um, and uh, you know that will carry us through the year. Um, and you know I think we will look to raise more money for the global for the more global scale we talked about. Uh, in in the fall or in the early spring of next year, um, our goal in 2024 is to have three micro factories up and running in three different regions with three major developers anchoring those, and um, uh, that would that would be able to generate us, you know, as those factories are running at scale in the 300 million dollar range of revenue. Wonderful, great, great. Let me kind of close our conversation with a you know a couple of personal questions, right? Um, I, I always like to you know ask kind of uh, you know about you know lessons learned number one, but also a little bit about sort of you know your experience throughout this process, kind of like you know what would what would Scott tell the younger Scott, you know, in terms of you know what you know now that you wish you knew back then. 
Um, and then also just a little bit about, you know, if people want to get involved in this uh, in industry, you know, how would you how would you recommend that they do that? No, it's it's a great question. I mean, I mean, so I think I'll start with the with more of the philosophical. It's you know, when we get further on in, a, in our career, we get less away, further away from our curiosity and closer to what we think we can monetize and what we think we're good at. Um, I, I'm really blessed to be able to kind of go after my curiosity at this stage in my career. Um, I also love the fact that it's curious, but it's curious in a way that you could have a conversation with your grandmother about it. You know, this isn't curious, like something that no one understands. It's curious, like, Hey, we're changing the way people build houses. And most people can engage with that. You know, I have a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old boy. And when they saw the factory, the questions that they asked were relevant and salient. Interesting. Yeah. And so I love being in a space where I'm curious, but it's also I can you can talk about it and it's not so esoteric. Um, so my advice would be for people to do not – don't don't ever lose sight of that and just make sure and just know that you can follow that curiosity at any stage in your career. Um, the second thing is, and this has been really tough in this market, is to is to trust your gut um, with the decisions that you're going to make. And the one big thing in Mighty Buildings is we, you know, we waited in this B2B model for people to tell us what they wanted. If you're doing something that the world's never seen before or is totally different, and people tell you what you want. You're going to end up design. You're going to end up using your product for, to design something that they want to design, rather than using your product to design something totally different. So you have to inspire the customers by showing them refer- reference designs, showing them possibilities, and making it easy for them to innovate. Um, if you ask someone who's done something 200 times what they're going to do, they're going to tell you something that's 10% different. And uh, that, you know, that's probably a big lesson learned from early on in Mighty Buildings that, you know, be inspirational to your customers. They'll appreciate it's not that you're pushing anything on them or not listening to them. They'll appreciate you stretching them as well. Yeah, wonderful. And and just as a quick follow up, and any any advice people that want to get involved, uh, yeah. whether it's with you know you guys directly or a similar you know um, innovative company like yours, this is obviously sort of on the forefront of home building innovation. But uh, you know, super interesting. So I am I am curious, you know, how you would advise somebody wanting to kind of get into this space. No, it's great. I'll give I'll give you, which is kind of a generalization right now, but we're finding that a lot of our early customers that really are trying to engage with us are in large family construction businesses that they're the second or third generation and they're taking over and they want to do something to make impact and they want to change something out of the world and change, change how the world works. So I love that, right? And um, I, I think if you think of that mentality, someone that has been brought up in an environment where they understand everything about an industry, but they're trying to transform it from within that those are our best people to get involved. There are a tremendous amount of opportunities to adapt our kit system into hundreds of different ways. And so any developers or architects out there that are looking to for a new toy to play with, um, if you will, uh, please reach out to mighty buildings. Um, when it comes to our operations and our industry, you know, we're going to need project management in our environment is going to be very different than it is on a traditional construction site. 
um, all the materials are going to be there. It's going to be about how fast you put it together and how, how well the quality control works and the inspection work at each step. That's a very different type of project management. We're going to need that globally. So yeah. again, if, if you're working in the permitting field and the construction field and anything, and you're interested in doing something truly, truly global, uh, please reach out to us. Please see our website. We would love to have a conversation with you. Wonderful. Scott, it's been uh, really great learning about this and learning about what you guys do. Thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Um, enjoy. Uh, have a very successful year. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thank you so much for having me, Vlad. Appreciate it. That was another episode of the Real Perspectives podcast, and we thank you for taking the time to listen to it. Conversations like these help us comprehend our evolving industry better and hopefully provide a perspective that helps you understand the dynamics of commercial real estate. If you like this episode, please subscribe to our show and tell your colleagues about it. That is the best way to spread the news and help us remain relevant across the industry. Cheers. Cheers.